Hi there, David Mendes here, and I just want to take a few seconds to let you know that this episode is part two of a conversation with Danielle Delamar, creator and host of the Self-Compassionate Professor podcast. In part one of our conversation that you can listen to on her podcast, she interviews me about my journey, my personal and professional journey since my PhD. And in this part, in the episode that you're going to listen to right now, I actually interview her on her journey too, but on how it brought her to start helping academics have a more serene and fulfilled time in their academic career. And without further ado, I leave you with my interview with Danielle de Lamar. When I was a professor, I would... Um try to get away from connection at all costs, right? Like, like I had colleagues talking in the, in, in sort of the hallway outside my door, I would always keep my door closed. I would, um, at the end of class, I would try to leave quickly so I didn't have to talk to students. I always felt like um, I didn't have the time to be with other people. Like I just don't have space. I don't have time to do it. Um, they're going to steal time from me and I, I can't have my time stolen. I have too much work to do kind of thing. Um, and so if you're connecting meaningfully to yourself, you're going to notice that that's what's happening. Because when uh, when I was in my office and I could hear my colleagues like chatting and laughing outside, I would have these little moments of longing, like, oh, I would like to be with them right now and chatting with them. But nope, I'm going to push myself to the side. I'm going to push that longing to the side and keep working kind of thing. And so connecting meaningfully to yourself is really about noticing like what are your regrets what are your longings what are you um feeling called to do like in this moment do you feel like standing up <laughs> right and why do you feel like standing up oh i think it's because i have a lot of emotional energy from that meeting i just had that was really hard and really um you know emotionally taxing and i need to get the energy out welcome to this new episode of papa phd Today, I have the great, great, great honor of having with me Danielle Delamar, creator and host of the Self-Compassionate Professor podcast. Danielle is the founder of Self-Compassionate Professor, and she focuses on healing academics' relationships to work, helping them to clear mental and emotional clutter, make space for their own needs and wants, and find the clarity to make sound and meaningful career decisions grounded in wellness. It's interesting, this term career wellness, I've only come across it first with you. So I'm super eager to to go into that. But first, uh, this was a very, very quick introduction of uh, who Danielle Delamar is. Can you give us a little bit more, one or two more uh, elements that, that are part of, of who you are and what drives you? Who am I? And what drives me, I, I have a, you know, I was a, I was tenure track faculty and I earned tenure and I ended up leaving shortly after tenure. And, um, I just remember that being a really difficult time in my life. I was sick all the time, like physically ill. I um, had colds all the time. I got the flu every year. I I remember walking into class one day and 
and I was, you know, blowing my nose and, <laughs> and I had a student say, you're sick again. Hmm. Um, and that's just kind of how it was for me. And at one point I got a, I got a cancer diagnosis and, um, that's when, um, there are a lot of things that sort of came into perspective for me. Like I'm doing something that is making me very unwell. And that's not to say that like I'm to blame because I got a cancer diagnosis or that anybody else is to blame. But um, there was something, you know, emotional and physical and spiritual that um, was off mm-hmm. that needed to be fixed. And um, so that's the work I do now. I, I have a, I, I have a coaching business called Self-Compassionate Professor, and I work with professors. I I do have a postdoc in my group coaching program right now, but mostly um, tenure-track professors who are um, wanting to feel better, you know, and for some of them, that means leaving academia. For others of them, they want to stay and they want to find a way to make it work for them. Mm So, yeah, I guess... Mm -hmm. That's the best way I could describe myself at this point. It's it's a it's a great way, and uh, it's interesting to to hear about this this uh, journey of getting to tenure, and then and then what happened after that made you question and think about why you were doing what you were doing and whether it was aligned with what you wanted to do for the future. Uh, last week, it's funny because we two weeks ago we talked, and then last week I had uh, another live recording with. Uh, Özgün uh, Unver, uh, and it was about um, you know her. It was about yes, she's on my co- podcast. Love her. Really? She talks about burnout. Yeah, a, I see. I didn't know that. Oh my! So talking about burnout, and uh, and she asked me a question, and after having talked with you, and and it, it was what what is uh, self um, self care for you. And uh, and I started with self, with uh, self compassion was the first thing. After talking with you, I couldn't say anything else but first self compassion, and then uh, and then I, I mentioned a couple of other things. I said, okay, I'm happy. She, I, I'm happy you didn't say a bubble bath and uh, and a massage. <laughs> but um, but yeah, self compassion uh, is some. It, it's something that I've you know I've known of your your podcast and and self compassion professor for a while. We hadn't talked really before a couple of weeks ago. Uh, to to any you know to any uh, extent, but I've always liked the title of your of your show, and it felt very not countercurrent, or maybe maybe a little bit because often podcasts need to be flashy, positive, winning, uh, and and it felt very comforting. And I'm saying all of this to ask you a question, which is, when did, did we start this culture of not being self compassionate? <laughs> have we ever been self-compassionate <laughs> um i mean i'm thinking about Kristen neff who is the founder of mindful self-compassion and she has you know 20 years of research in the area more than 20 years now i think and um she first she first started really thinking about self-compassion after being at like a meditation center. And she talks about like, 
finishing up her, she was finishing up her dissertation. She was um, going on the job market. She was going through a divorce. She had all this stuff happening and she went to a meditation center and um, was trying to just sort of cope with all the stuff that was coming at her. And there's something about the meditation, the, about the meditation, about the teacher that they brought up self-compassion mm-hmm. and she had been studying, I think like self-esteem okay. before um, in children. And um, she really just went down this road of self-compassion and um, and said she had never in her life thought, oh, I can be kind to myself. That's like a thing. Um, anyway, her story really resonated with me because I had never I had never felt like it was OK to be kind to myself either. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think culturally we I mean, I think there are these like um, these pockets of wisdom in wisdom traditions. But when it comes to like our modern cultures, like I don't think we know how to do it. And that's why Kristen Neff's work is so powerful um, because she teaches those of us who've never done it before um, and who have generation upon generation upon generation of family history that none of us know how to do it. Yeah. She teaches us how to do it. Um, so yeah, your question is, when did this non-self-compassion start? Um, and I, 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 I don't think it ever started. I think there's a cultural aspect to it. Depending on what tribe you're in, be it family-wise or actually the, the people that, that you that are in your more closest circle, etc., this can vary, of course. And I knew it was a question that was a bit out there in that sense of being a bit too wide but uh to to kind of zero in a little bit more um you know you, you were talking about tenure tenure means competition and uh and us uh, with the, in the conversation with Özgün we had this kind of same kind of uh history of the pressure from outside kind of led leads us to not uh consider being self-compassionate and and thinking it's more useful to be self-critical and then actually it's only useful to be self-critical and then you can get into into what we were talking with her which was uh, burnout situations so in in that milieu in that um space specifically um you know self-compassion isn't something that is taught that is uh maybe valued even, but maybe based on the people that you work with, uh, what would you say are are things that are leading people to not being self-compassionate and then paying the price of that? I mean, I think exactly what you said in terms of there's all these external pressures and people feel like they need to keep up. Um, you know, you've gone this far as an academic. Um, you've proven yourself to this extent. And now, now you got to continue to prove yourself. You got to show people that you're not an imposter. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think imposter syndrome definitely comes into that. Um, Many of my clients, just like me, when I was um, on the tenure track, um, we overwork, like we do way, 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 way too much. We put way too much time in where we don't stop to, um, breathe. <laughs> we don't stop to, you know, um, feel what it feels like to be in our lives um, 
outside of academia, we don't make space for ourselves. Um, we think that we have to run to keep up with, um, you know, the, the researchers and, and, and the good teachers and the, you know, all the people that are doing so many successful things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we forget to sort of make space for ourselves. I, I guess that's how I would, I guess that's how I frame it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so now how does this, um, kind of uh, um, dovetail or fit with this concept of career wellness? Because, so we have these pressures, a lot of them are, you know, uh, how can I say, objectively there. There's a list of things that you can, that you must do to, there's uh, admin work that you need to do, there's paperwork that you need to do to renew whichever funding you have, et cetera, et cetera. There's the publish or perish uh, uh sword hanging above <laughs> above our head etc cetera, etc cetera. but part of um what gets uh, academics to struggle is also i believe but i'd like to have your your point of view uh belongs to them because it's self talk and it's maybe amplification of these messages that come from the outside um and i imagine that's where you intervene what are things that people are, are let's say, doing to themselves, uh, saying it you know in a blunt way, that yeah. that you can help them kind of diffuse and and help them have a, a, a softer road to travel. So I think we're, um, I think the ways we're putting pressure on ourselves that we don't need to are um, one, uh, we are sometimes over publishing we're working too hard because we have this informal mentorship that's telling us, you know, you make sure that you overpublish because if you overpublish, you're guaranteed tenure. They don't have a reason to tell you no. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think many of us get into this place where we just have to keep going and going and going because we feel like we we can't trust the institution to give us tenure Mm -hmm. if we do what if we do just what the institution is telling us to do, just do this. Uh, we, uh, we go way, way overboard. Um, and actually my, uh, my husband is an administrator at a university and um, he, he looked into this in one of the colleges. Mm-hmm. It was the, mm-hmm. the science, uh, no, 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 sorry. Humanities and social sciences college at his university. <laughs> and he found that, that more people than not overpublish okay. and they do mm-hmm. not have to. They do not have to. And so there's that pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then there's um, things like just I don't know how to sort of be in the moment with um, with myself because I'm working so hard to get things done. And so and when I talk about being in the moment with myself, like it's kind of like meditation, but in your everyday normal life. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, can I walk into my office and sit down and notice what it feels like (laughs) to be in my chair? Can I, um, can I notice when my body's telling me to take a walk? Can I notice when my body's telling me to get a drink of water? Like there are these things that we are so disconnected from our bodies Mm -hmm. and from like our emotional experiences. Um, you know, we're often not processing our emotions. We have all these emotions that are going on and we forget to even pay attention to them. 
Um, we, we try to push them aside. We try to not make room for them. And so then we've got all this pressure from the inside mm-hmm. as well as from the outside. Right. Yeah. So like yeah. our emotions are telling us process me, process me. And we're not doing it. We mm-hmm. won't let ourselves do it. Yeah. And the the thing that I, that I'm getting from, from what you're saying is, and you know, if you're in that situation of, uh, you know, fight or flight all the time, uh, and and being reactive to or or fearful of some scarcity of finance of of uh, uh, funding or uh, you know, am I going to be renewed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, must be taxing on your mind, but also on your body. And then, because labs are teams, there must also be somehow that must yeah that must also somehow trickle down to the members to people who are under you uh, as a as a pi and i'm thinking of, of pis and be it students or or other people um and and that must also be part of the stress because you you probably know these people depend on me in a certain to a certain extent but i'm dealing with these difficult <laughs> feelings and these difficult uh even sensations depending on on how you're you're living through it uh, do do a lot of people uh come come see you in this situation of uh, of not being well in their own skin almost yeah yeah mm. i mean my my group coaching pro- program is a one year program oh wow and we meet every single week so that we can practice being in our bodies <laughs> like that is the major piece we practice <laughs> being in our bodies we practice being able to connect to other people um while connecting to ourselves um we um we practice having fun like today mm-hmm. we danced i put music on and i made everybody dance <laughs> um we can just feel what it feels like to not have pressure so we can tap into our wisdom because you can't feel your you can't hear your wisdom you can't hear like this is what you got to do with your life and this is where this is the next step mm-hmm. you can't hear that if you're um if you're stressed all the time if you're putting yeah. all this pressure on yourself you just don't make space for it um I, I heard or I, I read Parker Palmer said something like um, uh, it's like going outside and yelling for the wolves to come out when you're in the forest. Wolves, come out here. I want to see you. <laughs> and your inner wisdom is is like gentle and shy and doesn't want to come out unless you make space for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making that space so that you can hear it is really, really, really important. Mm. And and it, it this makes this makes sense to me and it, it shows how complex beings we are that that an exercise like just dancing and moving in a certain way and can kind of like reverse engineer and then make you be in a better space for thinking it's funny because we always think the brain is the boss of everything and then <laughs> it's interesting to imagine that by actually going the other way you can bring your brain out of this situation of maybe overthinking and and like invasive thoughts and things like that um it's it's super super interesting now one question that i i'm always thinking of the people i was just mentioning lab members but um without you know you of course you you've met different people you have different cohorts of people who have come to you so you probably have a kind of a generic idea of of uh what 
what people come to you, uh, what what problems they present to you. But what are what in their words? What's what are the challenges most often they, that they come to you and say, "Hi, Danielle. You know what? I saw your website, uh, and I, I think I need to talk to you because X, Y, Z." What brings them to you in their words? I think the biggest one is burnout. Okay. Um, okay. And I think, uh, and and then it's things that come with, uh, and then it's like physical issues that come with <laughs> burnout, okay. right? Like I need to find a way to deal with my migraines and the burnout's not helping kind of thing. Okay. Okay. So really uh, even physical, uh, physical expressions of, of the, of the difficulty and the intensity of, of what's happening to them. And so, so they come to you. Um, you've said even there's a postdoc in, in your current cohort. By the way, let's let's uh, just tell people who are interested in exploring this with you where they can, because I've already shared your URL, of your, the URL of your website, daniellelamar.com. You have a, a kind of, you said a one-year program, is that it? I do, that you, yeah. that you start at different times of the year. Can you just rapidly share to people how that works? Yeah, so it's not like a cohort. Like I have people who, like in the group right now, I have people who started in July, and I've had people who started oh, yeah. in October. I have people who are starting on in March, um, and they just sort of join the group for the year, and then they leave after their year. Um, but what that does is it helps us to have sort of a dynamic group. It helps mm-hmm. us to um, to not stagnate as a group, right? Um, and uh, and I am so concerned with inner wisdom. I want them to be able to hear themselves and know what to do that. I, I, I do the sort of, we have a monthly topic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this month it was about trusting the path to career wellness. How do you trust it? Um, and last month it was about developing a relationship with yourself. Um, anyway, so we have these monthly topics and, Every week of that month, we talk about that topic, mm-hmm. um, and it's cyclical. So if you miss, so if you showed up in March and you missed all the last few months, it doesn't matter, right? Like you just, uh, you're gonna... You're, we're going to circle back to it. Um, so there's that. But the other, the other piece that I want to talk about was the inner wisdom piece. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> if there is a topic that is not sitting with you, like you don't want to talk about trusting the path right now. Like that's just not where you are. It's not alive for you. You're not feeling it then don't do it. Like let's, Mm -hmm. I I try to always make space in the weekly meetings for people to feel whatever they need to feel without, you know, like imposing a structure on them. We all have enough structures that are being imposed on us. And what I try to do is remove um, as many layers as possible so people can hear themselves. So I always say, if I bring up a topic in December and you find that it's, that topic's not alive for you all the way until February, then wait till February to come back to the topic because I have a, a private podcast that goes with it. So they can go back to the topic later. Papa PhD is supported by Noted Source, the platform connecting academic researchers to companies for project-based opportunities across disciplines from sciences to arts and humanities. Top corporate innovation teams work with academia but the smartest ones use Noted Source to discover and collaborate with experts like you. Easily sign up today at papaphd.com forward slash Noted Source. 
Using Google Scholar and Orchid Imports, it only takes a few minutes to create a professional profile that lets clients know you're open to collaboration. Noted Source handles the bureaucracy so you can focus on what you know best. That's papaphd.com forward slash Noted Source. So when people come to you, you have, you mentioned to me um, uh, before that there are kind of three, I call them pillars, but uh, it's probably not the terminology you use, but there's three aspects to this, to trusting uh, or to, to career wellness or the, to this path to career wellness. Do you want to share, to start with what this path is and what these three, uh, these three aspects are that you focus on with people? Yeah. So, um, I, so one is connecting meaningfully to your, to yourself and to others. Uh, two is working in flow and with presence. And then three is just regularly recalibrating to see what needs to be let go of and what mm-hmm. needs, to, what new things need to come into your life and into your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can expand on each of those, of course, um, and I kind of plan to, but I'll stop for now and ask you. <laughs> well, uh, actually, the first one is kind of, uh, it can sound mysterious, yeah. which is how can you live with yourself? What? I wake up and here I am. I always live with myself. What are you talking about, Danielle? <laughs> can you? I'd really love you to expand a little bit on that and to, to say what you mean, because it, it can sound a bit uh, esoteric to, to, to people watching or listening. Totally. Um, connecting meaningfully to yourself. Um, let me give you a, sort of a story. I uh, I was, um, when I was a professor, I would try to get away from connection at all costs, right? Like, like I had colleagues talking in the, in, in sort of the hallway outside my door. I would always keep my door closed. Mm-hmm. I would, um, at the end of class, I would try to leave quickly so I didn't have to talk to students. I always felt like um, I didn't have the time to be with other people. Like, I just don't have space. I don't have time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to steal time from me. And I, I can't have my time stolen. I have too much work to do kind of thing. Um, and so if you're connecting meaningfully to yourself, you're going to notice that that's what's happening. Because when uh, when I was in my office and I could hear my colleagues like chatting and laughing outside, I would have these little moments of longing, like, oh, I would like to be with them right now and chatting with them. But nope, I'm going to push myself to the side. I'm going to push that longing to the side and keep working kind of thing. And so connecting Mm -hmm. meaningfully to yourself is really about noticing, like, what are your regrets? What are your longings? What are you um, feeling called to do? Like, in this moment, do you feel like standing up, (laughs) right? And why Mm -hmm. do you like standing up. Oh, I think it's because I have a lot of emotional energy from that meeting I just had that was really hard and really, um, you know, emotionally taxing and I need to get the energy out. And so Mm -hmm. connecting meaningfully to yourself in that way, when those moments build on themselves and you start seeing patterns, you start to get a clearer picture of where you want to go and who you want to connect with and how you want to pave a self-compassionate career path, which is essentially what I talk about. For sure, people need help with this because uh, it's kind of intuitively you're just following the rules and you think, I'm following the rules, so I'm, I'm doing fine. Uh, I'm 
checking my uh, checking all my boxes, so I'm doing fine. And you're putting all of this uh, external of these external uh, measures of success and of performance on outside things, and then this, there's this inside thing that you're leaving behind. Uh, and and I feel that's what you're trying to get people to reconnect to. Yeah, because if you're only living for the external, I, I in my mind you're not living. Like that mm-hmm. is the, that's the big the big lesson for me when mm-hmm. I had a cancer diagnosis. Wow, I'm really not living my life. Mm-hmm. And if I died today, I would be really, really regretful in many, many ways. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now, this, this must be challenging to people, to the people you're working with. We're, you know, we're. I say we because I, you know, I was I, I did my PhD too, but it's, it's kind of a population that's selected to be very heady, very in the intellect, and you're kind of bringing them to a very different, maybe like woo-woo for you know <laughs> terrain. Now, what I'm really, really curious about is if you have something to share about like these aha moments of when you took people through this process and they kind of made the connection and how it changed uh, their their day to day and 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 I'm sure this is also this is an, an ongoing work it's not just a, a switch you flip but what changes when people are able to do that exercise and to be more connected to their inner voice in a in a way so i'm thinking about um a client i have right now and we one of the things we talk about is um self dialogue <laughs> right you have mm-hmm. different parts and if anybody's familiar with internal family systems this is what i'm talking about but um essentially we have these different parts that are often in conflict with each other and so one of the things that she tells me that is really really working for her right now is that she gets in touch with a part she can feel it like oh i'm having i'm having this sort of pressure right here and um this part when she goes into it wants blah 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 and it'll tell her what it wants Mm -hmm. and then she has another part maybe in her belly or on the you know whatever it is that's like uh i have um i i want this other thing and they're in conflict with each other Mm -hmm. right and so if she can, and if you're familiar with internal family systems, um, this is this work by Dr. Dick Schwartz talks about how like um, you are the parent of all these like kid parts within you because these kid parts they're they're parts that showed up when you were a kid when you were going through some sort of traumatic experience, and that could be little t trauma or big t trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Some experience when you were a kid that like makes these parts like really upset about different things and, you know, hold you back from doing this or push you to do that when maybe that's not what you really want to do. And so sort of your overall person, um, your, your quote self with a capital S can have a conversation with your parts, can facilitate a conversation with your parts. So everybody gets heard and then they can collaborate and talk about where to go next. Um, and so this, the, the parts work is something that really, really resonated with her. And like I said, I have different things we do throughout the year, but 
this one month, it was the parts work that really resonated with her. And what she's finding is that she's getting more and more in touch with what she actually wants. And her sort of vision for her career is starting to come out now that she's able to facilitate this conversation between her various parts. And when she first came to me, she was just like, I have tenure. I'm confused. I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't, I'm not happy with what I'm doing. And I go to work and I'm just saying, ugh, every day. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I just don't feel alive. I feel, ugh. Um, and she's starting to, to get clear about what she wants based on this, this <laughs> really deep psychological, deep inner work. Mm-hmm. Now, so it feels to me that, you know, little by little, and you're you're kind of helping people transform their experience of becoming a professor, and in this case of of becoming a tenured professor, they're probably changing within themselves the image they had built years before of what being a tenured professor is, and that they were probably comparing themselves to and 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 yearning for, uh, and this is probably changing with with this process. But um, one thing you just said about you, your experience before was, I can't, oh, I can't engage in a conversation. They're going to rob my time. I can't uh, talk with the students. They're going to, again, steal precious time that I need for my work. And these people have kind of crossed this barrier of saying, I can't spend time on anything else to say I'm going to spend time with Danielle. And they're going to come back to their career. And they do the work with you, and then they go back to their day-to-day. Uh, are they as fulfilled? Are they more fulfilled? And is it making them better academics? Is that is that is what I'm asking? Uh, because I, m- people may be afraid of, oh, I, can't n- I can't now go into this training with someone and having, I don't know, many hours per month because they're going to be robbing my time. The idea behind my question is how important is it to set aside time for work on you? It could be in academia, it could be on Teletrack, it could be in anything else in life, but here we're talking about this. Um, and, and does it make you a worse professor if you, I don't know, do meditation or if you work with Danielle or, or something? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, when you say it that way, I'm like... I started meditating with my students um, back when I was um, in my tenure track. And um, and that work that I did with them, I had them meditate at the beginning of every single class. That work that I did with them, I felt so much more connected to them really? and so much more connected to myself every single class. Um, and I had a student who had two classes with me one semester And then the next semester, she didn't have any classes with me. And she told me she could feel a difference. Like she felt more spinny. Um, She like couldn't make decisions as easily. Um, And she just didn't get that time to slow down. And so this is what I know my faculty in my program need. They need to be able to slow down like that. They're spinning like this all week long. And on Friday mornings, when we come together, they get a chance to pause. The mm-hmm. purpose of the program is to slow way down, notice what it feels like to be them, notice what the <laughs> week was like, notice the things that they never have time to notice. And yes, the um, 
the benefits are huge. They know what to focus on and what not to focus on, right? Like, I'm going to get off this committee because it is not serving me. <laughs> yeah. Not for me. Or I'm going to stop teaching this intro class that I've been teaching for the last 20 years because I hate teaching it and it's not working for me anymore. And I'm going to give it to a junior faculty member or <laughs> whatever it is, right? Like they start to make decisions and, um, and uh, build boundaries in ways that support themselves mm-hmm. um, in ways they've never done before, right? Because they mm-hmm. have space. And the, the reason I have them meet every single Friday for a year is so that they can develop that relationship with themselves. That's super interesting. And it, it it's, uh, makes me feel, uh, think of something I, I spoke uh, in a, in one of the PhD dojos, which is another segment of the podcast with Gad Sabatier, which is the problem of uh, the fear of saying no. And, and people end up saying yes to a bunch of things, especially when they're early career. And it feels to me like you're teaching them to know you can, you can do a, You know Conmari, you know who Conmari is, uh-huh, uh-huh. Marie Kondo. Uh-huh. You can triage if it doesn't bring joy, put it aside, give it to someone else. And yeah. I love it. I really, really, I, I really, really like it. And it's it's now it it starts to make more sense to me. This this being in touch with yourself and 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 also I, I can see much better the advantages that that it can bring. I feel that there's also an aspect of. Of, uh, so there's refusing, but there's also gratitude. So what did I do in this week that was good? What can I pat myself on the back uh, from uh, for? Is it is it part of the exercise too? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'm asking them to do every week is make sure you're doing your weekly planning. Make sure you're fitting yourself into your week. So what does your body need for this upcoming week? What do you know your body needs? schedule it in, make sure it's a big part of what you do. And one of the things I've, I've suggested before, if it feels right, again, inner wisdom is key, not me. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that, that I'll say is you spend three hours in a class per week. Why not spend three hours with yourself? Um, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it's reflecting, maybe it's um, planning for the upcoming week, maybe it's something else. But Like give that to yourself, and it's hard, and that's why that's why the title is trusting the path to career wellness, right? It's yeah. really hard to trust that. Like if I give this all this time to myself, I'm not going to have any time to do my job. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you find is that you do your job so much more efficiently. Mm-hmm. You are, and, and you do it in a way that's um, you're just really effective. You're just really good at doing your job because you've had this rest, you've had this space and um, you're not grasping it, trying to solve problems because the, the answers to the problems just come because you're well rested. <laughs> you're, you, you know how to dialogue with yourself to resolve conflicts. You know how to, you know, um, notice the, the signs that your body's giving you to do this or that. Um, Anyway, it makes total, total sense. I think it's maybe the moment to, because we've seen what it means to, to this, this, uh, getting in touch with, with yourself, with your decision difficulties and decision processes and, and being grounded while doing them and not just, uh, just, uh, saying yes to everything and trying to troubleshoot left and right because that's not a that's not a life <laughs> i think we i think i've understood what that that looks like I, i think you've also it's also been clear from what you just said the advantages that can bring now that second step of uh, of the path 
to to career wellness. Can you remind us what it is and talk a little bit about it? Yeah. So I, I will say the first one is connecting meaningfully to self and others, right? And others. So, okay. so yeah, I will, yeah. I'll, I'll just say that, you know, just... But it, it is important. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um. So often we, we get sort of isolated and we forget to connect to the people around us. And so, I'll, so I just want to point that out on, on the first one. The second one is working in flow with uh, and with presence. Okay. So... um. Yeah. Like, what do you value? That's one of the big questions. What do you value? And if you really value your relationships with your students, maybe when you're in an advising meeting, you really just rest in the presence and, you know, that that connection with that student and you just really sort of take it in and enjoy it and be with them fully without thinking, oh, God, I got to get this done. I got to get that done. You know? Find a few things that you really, really value, you really care about, and be just completely present in those moments. Um, so that's so working in flow and with presence. That's sort of one way to do it. Another way to do it is you know rest before you have to do something. Rest mm -hmm. while you're doing the thing, and rest after. And people are like, "Wait, how do you rest while you're doing the thing?" <laughs> right. And you can, like, you can be in a faculty meeting and you can rest in your body. Like, notice how you're holding your body in the faculty meeting. Are you doing things that make you feel tight and tense? Like, how can you rest in the faculty meeting? Like, fully rest. <sighs> I can take in what people say. I can still work. And I don't have to, you know, put all this pressure on myself. Um So anyway, that's working in flow and with presence. Mm -hmm. This flow in presence, and it's it's interesting because the, the actual first example that you used is exactly of that of being in a meeting with students and being fully engaged and and being in the moment. Uh, and it kind of connects to that aspect that we didn't talk in part one, which is connecting with others. And it's true that if your mind is always like bouncing left and right with my the, my laundry list of things I need to do. Uh, there's uh, or this stress about this deadline coming up, it can be so invasive that you might not even be able to. You can be in front of someone, and even having eye contact, but your brain is is somewhere else. But I, I imagine that it's also important for that conversation with yourself that you mentioned uh, before of uh, you know being uh, being in this state of uh, serenity. Let's call it that or or uh, repose <laughs> like you said also uh allows us to to be more in the moment be it in tasks be it in with decisions within yourself decisions with other people or just in conversation like you said in the corridor uh in the corridor with someone and having the human experience of being part of this community which if you're isolated you can be or surrounded by a bunch of people but be very alone amen yeah <laughs> yeah Oh, the third part, the one about reassessing. Can you just tell me the name of that third? Uh... I mean, I'm just like right now, I'm calling it regularly recalibrating um, while you're on your career journey. It made me think of, uh, and I don't know if you know the book, uh, Positive Disintegration by Dabrowski. Is it something you know? Mm -mm, mm -mm. It's growing is uh, you build things and sometimes you need to destroy them to build something new in in that place and and it feels and i'm really that's really in a nutshell <laughs> the book is is 
It's very interesting. Read it. I think you'll like it. I will. Um, and um, but I, I really think, and after having read that, that it's really uh, a really important step. It is a really important step. And again, you need to be in touch with yourself to be able to do it. Because if you're just going through the moves and and following a plan that someone else laid out for you you won't reassess and and then often and i've had this conversation someone not, not so long ago you you look 10 years behind and you said where what happened 10 years ago that brought me here and why am i here now yeah yeah and uh, <laughs> and how how do you engage with people on that plan on that plane of of uh stopping reassessing and reorienting if needed well one of the things that that we talk about is um looking sort of around your your space and deciding you know what do you need to get rid of um what do you what in your space and, and this can be like relationships this can be actual like objects this whatever what in your space does not sort of reflect who you want to be a year from now? Mm. Um, and let's get rid of it. Uh, <laughs> and we pr- we'll practice saying things like yes to, to, to commitments like, yes, yes, no, no. And a lot of people will, um, will notice that it feels a lot easier to say yes than it does to say no. Like they can feel in their body that saying yes feels better. And it feels better in the short term often because mm-hmm. you don't have to, you know, create any stress in the relationship. No. <laughs> you don't have to, you know, bring up any conflicts. But then when you haven't said the no and you know that for sure you need to detox yourself of that thing, you're holding on to that thing for the next year. And then you're slowing yourself down and you're you're not sort of walking your your career wellness path as as efficiently as you might like it's true and again we 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 we're at this kind of Marie Kondo type space of what sparks joy um and uh we're in this thing of the the tendency to say yes especially again i imagine i wonder uh, the demographic of, of people who go see you but this is probably more intense in young uh, or in early career uh professors because they need to prove themselves and and no is already difficult to say just as a human <laughs> normally um but in this situation where there's there's a, a competition there's a hierarchy um i'm sure um I, i'm sure it gets more difficult um for them uh now i wonder whether uh, you have any ex- any examples you can share on on this uh this part of of something uh, of either someone that that got to this step and that took uh um that you know, cut some old branches to make some new, to let some new uh, shoots uh, grow. Is there anything that you can share in terms of a story or an example of how you can bring in more fresh air by by throwing out some old stuff? I'm thinking about a client right now who um, she's actually in in an Altac job and. Um, she has hung on to the job, even though it hasn't been working for her, like hung on mm-hmm. to it for year after year after year. And she, it's no good. And, um, she recently quit the job and she quit okay. without having 
any backup, right? Like there's not another job in line. And um, when she quit the job, she like cleared something and she noticed that she started getting these sort of opportunities. People were um, contacting her that she hadn't talked to for a while and being like, you know, you should help me with this or you should apply for that. Or like she, she cleared the space and things started coming to her. And, and some of that is like, you know, she puts herself out there, like people know she quit. And so they know she's available now. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And some of that is also, she doesn't have all this sort of emotional energy pent up in the job. And so she's, she's more open to new opportunities. Yeah, it makes total, total sense. Danielle, we're, we're almost at an hour of talking. Um, if people have questions, what's, what's the best way to reach out to you and to ask them to you? So you can go to selfcompassionateprofessor.com. It's also daniellelamar.com, either one. Um, and there's a link there, or there's a, there's a tab there for the sabbatical program. You can take a look at it. And um, the people I should say it's not for are people who want to, um, who are trying to make a quick career move, right? Like I got to get out of academia and I got to, right? Like that, that's, that's not what this is for. This is, I want to do deep inner work so I can really decipher what I want for my career. And I'm willing to do that. And I'm willing to connect to other people in the program. And I'm willing to, to really do the hard stuff. Um, so you can, uh, I, I will open registration again, um, at the beginning of April. So, um, if that's something you're interested in, you can schedule a consult with me. Um, again, on my website, there's a schedule consult. Um, you can just, uh, schedule something with me. We'll talk for 20 minutes. We'll talk about whether or not it were, it's a, it's something that, that would be a good fit for you. Um, and I have, and I'm, I'm not like wanting to sell the program to everybody and anybody because I, it really needs to be a good fit. Like you really do have to be committed to this work. You can't just kind of do it. Um, it, it's, it doesn't work that way. I am on LinkedIn. I am not on, um, it was a self-compassionate career move to get off of most of social media. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, feel free to connect with me there and, uh, listen to my podcast, self-compassionate professor. All right. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? I didn't put the, the, the podcast uh, name here on the little marquee I have, but it's fine. It's not, it's easy. Self-compassionate professor. If someone, I'm going <laughs> to, uh, I'm going to, sorry, there's a little bit of noise because someone is here in the basement looking at anyway, some, some kind of technical stuff. But I think it. I think they're gone. Um, <laughs> I was. I'm going to jump on what you said. You know, this is not for someone who wants to a quick, uh, you know, transition to a different domain. If you're listening or watching, and you and you are thinking of transitioning, you can come and talk to me because I think now it's something that I that I can uh, that I can do. I've I've started helping some people uh, doing that. So hey, <laughs> just reach out to me. Oh, that's good to know. I can refer people to you too. I get them all the time. But uh, the cool thing is uh, you have a podcast too. I heard you ha you just said you had a private uh, podcast. So I'm curious about that. We can talk about that later. Uh, but I guess it's only for people who are participating in the program, right? Yeah, exactly. It's something that accompanies the, the process. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Very cool. Now, to kind of sum up what, I, what I'm taking home from this conversation, 
first uh the first thing i'm taking home is the what you do comes from your experience and and from your heart and uh comes from you not wanting people to uh go through things you went through and uh the way you're helping them do it is uh one help them improve their communication within themselves the com conflicting things or priorities that might happen or things that are coming from outside and that that are generating some difficult self-talk that's one but also their capacity to connect and communicate with other people science is a group project so there needs to be sound communication and and often uh, if you are not if you're uh, you know off keel and you're you're not well within your own own self it might turn uh relationships with others difficult and complicated so it's it's uh, so that that's the first part the second aspect that you that you that kind of complements this one the way i interpret it is how to be more present and not just going through the moves and 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 you know following someone else's recipe uh, in your day to day is i i am a, a person i can take time to take decisions i can sleep on things and decide tomorrow i can reject things and also if i'm interacting with someone or involved in in a project especially with other people be fully present it's a, I've, for me i think it's a sign not only of respect to the other person it'll make a better uh, a better interaction but it it will also allow these interactions to be deeper and to for you to reap better results of these interactions because if you're half if you're just half present well you get half baked results and uh, and then the last one that i also liked a lot was this one about always be ready to reassess and to see well this this thing this wheel of my car of my truck has helped me for 10 years but it's now flat i need to change it for another one and uh it's, i know it's a very crude example but it's what came to mind right now uh um and i think it's it's really really cool i think it's really really commendable that you gave yourself the mission to to help people go through this it's not easy uh it, it's uh like we said in the beginning tenor track and, and professorship is a high pressure endeavor and uh it's it's really uh, precious to have some people like you uh, Danielle that are that are actually helping people make make a better journey of it and not come out mangled or or just be uh, or or just extract themselves some people just end up extracting yourself themselves from it because they say oh, okay I'm not cut for this and they they go they go to something else which can be the outcome but it doesn't have to be and um and and yeah i'm i'm really really happy that a few months ago i decided to say hey danielle we should talk i've known of you for so long <laughs> i am so glad and david i will tell you um i always remember when i first i i connected with you on linkedin i remember yes. and okay. i said you know we're running in 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 the same circle and um you know i'd love to to connect and you were you were just so sweet and you even sent a little heart back and I don't know. I just I I always remember that, and I always um, I have always known that we were going to connect at some point. <laughs> well, and now we did, and uh, now you have a recorded episode where you interviewed me. Now we we this we had this conversation, um, and and eventually they'll go live either in sequence or at the same time. But um, if you want to get to know Danielle better, 
it's uh, come on Papa PhD and and you'll you'll learn about who she is and what she does, and then you'll be able to do the kind of the kind of ref, uh, kind of mirror image interview where I'm on the self compassionate professor and she's interviewing me, and I had a lot of fun. It was I had a great time. And David, you made yourself so vulnerable. You were so willing to talk about the hard stuff, and uh, I was really. Um, really impressed with that and felt really connected with you um, after hearing all of that. Me too. Me too. I, I felt, and, and uh, I'm, I'm super, again, that's why I'm happy that, that we ended up connecting and, and deciding to actually uh, be on each other's show and, and talk at more, at more length because uh, it's, uh, it's been, it's been good getting to know you and I'm, I'm happy to now having, you know, for now having you in my circle of people, that I can consider like at least uh, pod friends, but that we can keep on talking about these things and not be afraid of talking about difficult things. Because these are difficult things. These are not easy. Amen. These are not easy. And yeah. they can be stigmatizing even depending on, on where you are. So yeah, no, this, this has been great. Um, and yeah, um, I'm, you know, again, I just want to say for, for anyone who's just finished listening to this episode, if you want to see round one where I was interviewed, you can go to the self-compassionate professor and uh, and see see and hear hear my uh, interview there. This was a great time. Uh, I really like the framework that you've that you've set up. I like the way you've made it a kind of a a slow food thing. Where hey, stick with me around the year, and we'll you know little by little, week by week, we kind of uh, we kind of reconvene. We uh, recoup we refocus and then you kind of learn this thing slowly through a year i really really like that concept and i think it's it's much uh, it's not an easy fix you can't patch it up nope so it needs to be something like this and, Amen. Uh, and yeah and i think people who are working with you are, are lucky to have you thank you <laughs> so thank you thank you for having me on, on papa phd it's been a pleasure and uh, and i hope we have other conversations in the future oh we will i look forward to them all right. Papa PhD is a labor of love. If you like the show and have found value in it, you can pay it forward by donating to help other people like you hear Papa PhD. Even a $5 one-time donation will be really appreciated. So go to papaphd.com forward slash support to donate or to papaphd.com forward slash Patreon to become a patron. Your support will help me cover the cost of hosting, equipment, and other recurring expenses needed to bring you a high-quality show week after week. Thank you for your support. I am David Mendez. See you next week.